Um, you know, and that kind of, there's, there's so much that's happened already this morning, but it kind of just leads into something of where I want to, yeah, I want to take us as we open up the word a bit, is what I didn't realize leading this, like I've been an elder for a long time. You can see from the gray hairs, eh? Yeah, not as long as Ryan Kingsley, but it's for a long time. And I had an incredible journey, like God adding us to, to Josh Jen back in um, January 2010. And we went on an amazing journey with Josh Jen well over a decade and just saw a wave of the move of God bringing us into so much more and God restoring so much. Now to see that multiplying all over South Africa and the world is like mind-blooming. And so I kind of thought going into Rooted this year, I'm just going to admit, I think I had some pride in my heart. I think there was a little bit inside of me that thought, you know what, I've got something I can give these guys. So let them come and we'll teach them. You know, we're going to well, come sit at the master's feet and we're going to impart. You know, uh, I, get, I wasn't quite thinking like that, but I think there was a little seed of that in my heart. And what began to happen over the course of this year is I realized I was as much on a journey as these students with him. And there was an area of him, want, of him wanting to root me in him and establish me in him that I'd never well, I'd experienced before, but I think I'd wandered away from in some ways. And so let's go to a portion of Scripture, and then I'm going to share a little bit of how God began to break religion in my life um, this year. Um, and I think he's, he was even doing that this morning with you guys, which is wonderful. So 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. Wowzers, what a Scripture. What a Scripture. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. And this has kind of become a scripture that we've sat on, not just as rooted, but as city on a hill up in Gauteng over the course of this year as God began to birth a longing and a, a desire for more of Him and more of His presence. So much so that on Monday evenings, every Monday evening this year, we have spent at least an hour and a half in the presence of God just loving on Him and worshiping on Him. Just an open invite to the church to come and gather and I hope you felt some of that this morning, even as we were with you when we were worshiping, because we are loving the presence of God and who He is. And so this scripture has become so important to us. And it says, it says this, let me just get to verse 16. Well, I'm sure most of you will know it. It says, but when one turns to the Lord, I don't know if you're going to be able to see that over my head, anyway, some of you. Um, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then it says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. What an invitation. What a promise. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of God, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so I really believe that God at this time in our lives, and especially in the movement that we're part of in 412, God is moving and He's coming amongst us and He's awakening, awakening, awakening us to more in the Spirit, to... to to, to be connected to Him, to be rooted into Him, to ensure that the life flows truly from Him into us, as Haya was saying, into us and then through us. Because it's so easy in the momentum of this movement 
And even as God potentially adds you to this church, if you're newer and you're coming on the journey with us, it's so easy for you to be added and to be added into the momentum of what God is doing here and not be rooted and established in Jesus by the Spirit. And so like I said, God took me on a bit of a journey this year. He was scratching me. I was uncomfortable eh? He was showing me things. In fact, my Rita journal, wherever it is, at the back of my Rita journal that we gave to all the students, I have a couple of pages where I, yeah, I pulled my heart out at the back of this year, just going like, God, this, I feel like I'm at a bit of a crossroads with you. You know, what's going on? He was showing me things in areas where I knew I was not the same as what I'd been in the past, that something had crept inside of me, and I just couldn't put my finger on it. It wasn't like some obvious sin. But then he began to show me that it was religion. It was conforming to an outward performance and not being connected deeply into Jesus, which is what it really was. I think some of you might be bearing witness to that this morning about me knocking on your heart in that area today. And so we went on outreach a couple of months ago leading up to that point. Like, it wasn't every day that this thing was heavy upon me, but it was there. And we went on outreach and then we had a worship evening on the one, one evening. We were in Zimbabwe, we went to Mashvingo. And we served the church there by heading up like the first regional equip in that region. It was a special time, man. And I had such faith, such expectancy to see God move, and He did move, and He did some wonderful stuff. But for us as a team, worshiping together, and that evening, as I began to see one of our team members breaking through into freedom in their life, it's this guy called Steph from the south of Joburg. He's quite a character, Steph. Um, and he's been through some hectic stuff, you know, he really has, and we're walking with him and his wife and their marriage, and he's older than me, um, yeah, anyway, but what was crazy was as he went on this outreach, I began to see the real Steph. The Steph I'd known before was just the, the, the layers of religion and disappointment and stuff that were on top of him, but God had been beginning to, to peel that back, you know, and then on that outreach, the real Steph began to emerge. And as the real Steph began to emerge, I realized that that's, that's what he was saying to me. It's like, Ross, break off the religion. Stop being so religious, man, and get real with me again. And as I did that, as I opened up my heart to him, the Spirit of God arrived. And I was filled with joy. Joy that I had not experienced in years. And I've experienced a lot of joy in God over the years. I really have. But this joy... and. I, Oh, I mean, it got quite awkward because I laughed so uncontrollably for so long that the guys didn't know what to do with me. But, but as the Spirit of God was upon me and this joy was welling up inside of me, He was setting me free from religion. Setting me free from conforming to an outward appearance, um, wanting to please people, thinking more about what others' opinions are, were of me than what of, you know, His opinion. You know, Will Murray is no longer with us. What did Will teach us? He says the one that you give the power to validate you, the people around you is the one that you give the power to invalidate you. And that's always stuck with me. And that hit me over that, this time, this season. Just smacked me and gone, you've been giving people around you the power to validate or invalidate you. And that is a religious spirit. And you need to be set free from that thing. And as the, as the Spirit of God began to pour into me that evening, I just felt it lift, gone. And I feel like I've been different ever since, just has been wonderful, man. Um, and so that's just a bit of a, a test. I mean, I felt as I've gone into different churches, into our church, into Muscle Bay, coming into you, over the, even on this outreach, just seeing and just God 
putting this thing on my heart that he's wanting to ensure that as a movement, we graft it into him, not going along just with the flow of what's happening, but each one of us getting real with him and allowing the spirit of God to flow in us and through us. And so I'm trusting that as I share, there's gonna, it's going to get to a point, and I know we've responded already this morning, but get to a point where there are going to be some of you going to have to respond to God this morning and say, Lord, come. Come and do something in my life. Come and fill me with your life. Come and fill me with your spirit because I need you. Okay. And so in our readings, one of the things that we have done to, to these poor students, and I'm not like that, but one of the things we felt in the Lord being one of our greatest blessings this year is we felt in the Lord to read through the Bible in 10 months as a, as a discipleship school. So we, when they arrived on the 1st of February or the 2nd of February last, oh, sorry, this year, whenever it was, and we... We felt, we shared this with him. We said, guys, you're going to read through the whole Bible by the 1st of December. And so we are well through reading through the whole of the Bible this year. Well done, guys. Well done. It's been so, yeah, it's been so enriching. It really has. Reading four chapters a day. And when you're busy and you're giving yourself day in and day out, and we've kept them very busy, it's meant they've had to create time and space and wake up early and dig into God and find gaps to do that. It's been so good. But recently we read from Ezekiel. And I was so struck reading through Ezekiel and this thing, God began to speak to me again, through this thing of like religion and the spirit and more of the spirit in our lives. And read through Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 36 speaks about the condition of our hearts. And a prophetic promise is given in Ezekiel 36 that in the new covenant, our hearts are going to be turned from hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. And that God is going to pour out his spirits and he's going to roll away the stones in our lives as we were hearing about in the prayer meeting earlier, and the stream of living water is going to flow from inside of us. So the, Ezekiel 36 says that, and then Ezekiel 37 gets wild. And I want to read a bit of that, because on Friday evening, as we were um, just seeing God bringing prophetic words, words of encouragement publicly over a bunch of us that were together, a couple of people received words of kind of being in the army. There were the sense of God calling his people to attention. And Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10, we'll quickly go there. I'm not going to spend long there. I just want to read through it and point out something to you. I just want to turn in my Bible quick. Ezekiel 37, 1 to 10 says, um, and it speaks about the valley of dry bones. The valley of dry bones. And again, this is a prophetic piece of scripture talking about the New Testament and what's to come. And it says, The hand of the Lord is upon me. And he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And I think this morning there are some of you who are dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Brilliant answer from Ezekiel. And I answered, oh Lord God, only you know. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> then he says in verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Pause. And as I read that portion of scripture, for me as a teacher, like I think I kind of have a teaching gift at times and God, I've been told that. 
And I do love to teach the Word of God. Is that, that for me, that's teacher language. Putting things together. Sinews, connecting, putting skin on. It's forming the, it's like creating the vessel that needs to carry the life of God. And if, if Ezekiel 37 stopped there, it would be good. But it wouldn't be good enough. Okay, so that's the word part. And it goes on in the next verse, well, from 7 to 11, and it says this. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was what? There was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there was sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them. Am I reading the right scripture? Yes, and skin had covered them. But there was no, what? There was no breath in them. And then he says in verse 9, this is the spirit that needs to fill the vessel of our lives. Then he said to me, prophesy not to the bones, but prophesy to the breath. Call upon the Spirit of God. Call upon the breath of God to come and fill these bones, to come and fill these, these bodies that are now being formed together to become vessels that would carry the life of God. And so he does that. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, just as he was already doing in some of you this morning. The breath of God was coming inside of you. The breath of God came in, into them, and what? And they lived, and they stood on their feet. What? An exceedingly great army. And so God is showing us there in this portion of Scripture. He's prophetically speaking to us. And He's saying, I'm raising you up as an army. I'm raising you up as a generation. But I'm so good to you that I'm not just going to send you out half-armed, knowing some stuff, knowing how to fight the battle. I'm going to fill you with my resources. I'm going to fill you with my life. I'm going to fill you with my spirits so that you can fight the battle not in your strength but in mine. And so God is raising you up to be an exceedingly great army, full of the words, but full of the Spirit of God. And see, be, so be those who open your heart more and more to the Spirit of God. Still with me? Okay. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. We're now jumping into the New Testament, from the Old into the New. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5 says this. Did I give you the scripture? I'm sorry. If you can find it, it would be amazing. I realized as I was reading it that I didn't give it to you. 2 Timothy 3, verse 5. Um, so it's always good to bring a Bible to church, by the way. Um, says, the warning of godliness, godlessness in the last days. You know this portion of Scripture very well within Josh, Jane, and our movement. But the warning here is that we would have an appearance of godliness, but deny its power deny its power. And I realized as God was speaking to me this year, that in some ways, you, like putting this religiousness on and believe, you know, like just believing that I had to look like something or behave in a certain way or say the right things at the right time or whatever it might be, I was, I was putting myself, like I said earlier, under this religious spirit, which was hindering the fullness of the life of the Spirit of God flowing into me and then through me. There was an appearance of godliness. It wasn't too bad an appearance. It looked pretty good. I think there was some life there, but it certainly was in its fullness, wasn't in its fullness. And so God was speaking to me and saying there's more, and I believe he's saying to us there's more for us. 
Beware of having an appearance of godliness, but denying the power of the Spirit being at work in your life. That's why repentance is one of the most beautiful signs of the power of the work of God in your life. I saw some of you this morning repenting with tears in your eyes. That's not just emotion. That's truth. That is eternal truth coming to bear upon your heart, responding to that truth. And through the response, it's opening up the door to the Spirit of God being able to flow into your life like never before and through you. So for those of you who have already responded this morning in repentance, you should expect now more and more of that grace that Paul was singing about at the end to flow through your life, into your life, and through your life. Amen. You still with me? Okay. I like to check in every so often. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. Um, and so then you see, I mean, this is at the heart of what it means to be a New Testament church, right? To live in this sort of way. To be full of the Word and the Spirit. And to rise out of our religion and to shake it off and to walk into something of the fullness of what God has for us. And so you see this in, in the movements of the Spirit in the early churches. The, the, the Spirit was poured out, or as the gospel went out was, and preached and people came to faith. The Spirit of God was then poured out. It says this in Acts 8, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. As the church under persecution scatters, and they scatter into the region of Samaria. Just a little side note, let's be praying for Israel and what's going on there. Hectic times. Hectic times, I won't say more, but get praying. I'm Acts 8, so there's just been this scatter, this persecution scattering, and as they've scattered, the gospel's been preached. People have come to faith. There's been joy in the city, in the region of Samaria. And then it says from verse 14, it says, Now when the apostles of Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, so things have begun to join, you know, join together. The bones had found each other. The sinews are coming together. The skin was coming together. There was a new church being birthed here as disciples were being called to Jesus. When they heard that they'd received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John. Russell's coming. He's being sent to you. Okay, similar type of thing. He came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For, the, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. But they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And what did they do? They laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so that there's, that, that's Ezekiel 37 picture. The army, there needs to be an infusing, a filling with, of the, in us, in the body of Christ, by the life of God, the Spirit of God. If we are going to be able to stand as an army and walk forward and take ground for the kingdom of God. We cannot and we must not do it in our own strength. Okay, so then that continues throughout the book of Acts. And you get to another different context. It's now the gospel not just being preached to Jews in that, that region of Samaria, but it's now the gospel's gone to the Gentiles. That's us. Unless you're a Messianic Jew sitting here. Um, it's gone to the Gentiles. And in Acts 19, similar situation. The gospel's being preached. The bones are coming together. The ligaments, the sinews, the skin. There's a church being formed. And it says in verse 6 to 7, And when Paul, this time it's Paul who's gone to them, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, what happened? The Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. The life of God was now beginning to flow. 
the life of God is now beginning to flow. You know, Friday evening was like, this outreach has been really cool. Yes, we've had some great times, met some incredible people. But I was saying to Pete yesterday, I think Friday evening was my favorite time on our outreach so far. Why? Because I just, I saw people. I don't know, I didn't know who many of you were, to be honest. But I just saw people, most of you were younger than me, which is awesome, getting up there and, and beginning to just overcome fear, step out in faith, bring words, sing, see God. You, the river was beginning to flow. That religiousness that maybe some of you being called out of was beginning to break off you and the life of God was flowing. It was beautiful. And that is what God is wanting to do in this generation. It's not, not just raise up leaders, but raise up saints, raise up an army that are equipped, equipped in the word, but equipped in the spirit to advance the kingdom of God, not having an appearance of godliness, but a fool with the life of God. And so as I share this with you, I've got a quote that's just like struck me many years ago on this topic. One of my favorite quotes from Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this, and this is not necessarily full in its trueness for our churches or our movement because we have a lot of the life of God in us. But Billy Graham, does, any, does everyone know Billy Graham? Anyone not know of Billy Graham? Put your hand up, let us know. There are a few of you. Billy Graham was one of the great preachers from America, traveled around the world. He preached and God gave him hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, who responded to the gospel as he was preaching. He kind of preceded the Reina Bonkis of the world and those kind of people. And so he preached in stadiums. I mean, I've met many people, even in our Joshian churches, who came to faith through his preaching back in the day in South Africa. But it says this, this quote from him, it says, everywhere I go, and boy, he'd been everywhere, huh? Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They're hungry for something. In brackets, this is mine, religion's not enough. Their Christian experience is not all they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. And he says, that, then he says, Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nations today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a quote, eh? And even as I read that, guys, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. It's this weird thing that as the water starts to flow, you know, it makes you more thirsty. As the water starts to flow, it makes you more thirsty. As the water starts to flow, it makes you more hungry. As the food comes, it makes you hungry and hungrier for more of them. That what you had before is not enough to satisfy you. So you're always pushing into the more of Him and seeing Him then position you to be used because you become of use in the kingdom because what you have received, you can give to others. I'm glad there's some sort of witness. Thank you, Lord. You know, if I look at the life of the church, I've been an elder for a long time. Like I said, led a, led a congregation of Josh Jen for yeah, nearly a decade. And so, yeah, leading is a great joy, but it's also a great responsibility. And at times it's perplexing and overwhelming and, and can be like, oh, help, help me, Jesus. But one of the things I observed as I, as I was leading and being an elder is um, people come into the church through different doors. So behind me, there's a door there, and there's a, there's a door there, right? 
And so some people come in through that door, which is the door of believing. I had an interaction with a guy on Friday night, Friday night with Enrico. We were buying ice creams, and he happened to hear my accent, which clearly stood out. I think he was a little bit drunk as well. It was after our time together um, prophesying and stuff on Friday, getting ice cream at the engine, wherever it was. And this guy, he has my accent. He's like, and he's English, so he's kind of looking for a friend. And he says, hey, you're clearly not from, from Blum. Where are you from? And I'm like, hey, like that type of vibe. And then I, I said to him, what did I say? I said something along the lines of, do you remember? I said, I said, yes, that's what I said. Oh, that's right. I said, I'm from, I'm from Joburg. Thank God. And he, he sent me here, you know. Um, and he was, and, he, and it was weird because in that moment that I confessed that, it's like he sobered up. He went from being drunk to like sobering up and he said, I'm an atheist. And straight away it was, oh, oh sorry, man. Yeah, like, just, just, just getting an ice cream, you know, like I was having a moment here. Like it was, and anyway, so a cookie rest, that conversation wasn't going to go very far. He's drunk and he's an atheist, but bless him, Lord, you know, and uh, we did, we blessed him and on we went. Um, and so some people come from that kind of background. You, you know, you're atheist, you're an agnostic, but God begins to knock on the door of your heart and draw you into more. Maybe some of you being students have come through that door, that you're longing for more, and that was the door you came to. You, you, you know there's more, but your door was, there's, I, I believe, life needs to make sense. There has to be something that I can understand about life that leads you there into a relationship with Jesus. So you come through the door of believing. You're looking for belief. Others of you come through that door, which is the door of belonging. You come looking for relationship. You come looking for a sense of connection. You come looking for a people that you can join and do life with. And that's not wrong. Neither of those doors are wrong. The door of belief, God uses, and the door of belonging, God uses. But both those doors are doors which are supposed to lead to an encounter with the living God. If you just come to the door of belief and take on a whole lot of beliefs, then you're just going to have a belief system. And I've seen people do that, come into the flow of our churches, adopt a belief system that says, okay, when it's worship, I'll go to the front, I'll jump up and down, sing a few songs. Um, you know, in my community, when it's time for us to share, you know, um, I'll, I'll find something in the Bible and, and share. So there can be some kind of belief, but it, it's more external than internal. And then others, you come through the door of belonging, and really what you're looking for in the end is just relationship. And you find that fulfillment in people, but not in Him. And so this morning, there are some of you where God wants to shift you from belief into experience, and some of you where God's showing you need to shift from belonging into experience. That belief and belonging are truly found in meeting and encountering Jesus. Amen? So where there's witness, open your heart to that this morning. And let him, let him hear him, hear him calling you to himself. Calling you to more. Calling you not to, not to walk just in the shallow water, but to go in deeper and deeper and deeper with him. But we, yeah. The problem we, we sometimes face in that, though, is that uh, as, we go along our, go, as we go along in our journey is we pick stuff up, that our, that our rivers, our relationship with God gets filled up. We get rocks, as Paul, Paul was pray, uh, prophesying about earlier today, or bringing a word about. 
we have these rocks that we end up carrying, and um, these rocks can be problems. They can be the rocks of opinion. They can be the rocks of criticism. They can be the rocks of fear. Others, the word of comfort. These are things which get in the way. And um, you see this in the New Testament church. You see that there's, this, there's this, this battle in the spirit that gets fought. And God does not want us in a few areas where, where God wants to win the victory so we can receive more of the Spirit. And firstly, He wants us as a people to not be ignorant of the fact that He's wanting to give us a Spirit. Some people are just plain ignorant. I used to be ignorant. Before I knew Jesus, I had no idea that there was a spirit that I could receive, which wasn't just an experience, but was a person, and that person was going to be with me forever, and that the spirit in God of me now is the spirit of the ages to come, which means eternity is living in me now, which means it's not fair. I already get to take part in eternity before other people do. But it is fair. In God, it's fair. I'm living in eternity now. Do you know that? Do you know that you're living in eternity now by the spirit of God? Your body's not there yet. But you are in your spirit, that your spirit has been regenerated. You have the eternal spirit of God dwelling inside of you. So don't be ignorant of that. And he wants to continue to fill you with more and more of that spirit to let that well up inside of you. So don't be ignorant. When it comes to the things of the spirit, don't be fearful. Yes, it's amazing to see it was you, like that repentance around fear. Powerful. Powerful. Oh, what he was doing in your life. But you're going to walk out of here different. I know you are. Because I could see what he was doing. He's overcoming fear. And so we need to open ourselves to allow God to work in our, way, our lives in such a way that he's going to overcome fears of what do I look like? How do I sound? Yes, I'm going to have to go on all of that. I've got to watch the time. But um, the outworking of this breaking free from religion a few weeks ago, I think I've shared this. I don't know, I've shared this with you already. Some of you heard it, but others haven't. Is um, I had a lack of beard going. We were just a muscle bay, Stefan, you know, Stefan a muscle bay PM. Yes, he's got a proper beard, eh? He, he really does. But I had a, quite a generous beard going. This church doesn't have as many as I thought it would have in Bloemfontein. Come, guys. We need more beards. Um, but uh, um, so, so I felt as God was breaking me free of this thing, we had a gathering coming up. And I'm, I'm just one of those people who's very aware of, like, how people perceive me. I've always been like that. I see it in my daughter as well. She's hugely like that. And so that's an area where God is putting his finger on this here. And so he said to me, it's also linked to a men's camp that we have coming up. And anyway, so I won't go into that. But he said to me, shave your beard. So I shaved my beard. And when I shaved my beard, I looked like a teenager. <laughs> okay, that's what my wife says. I don't like that, Ross. You look, you look like a teenager. So um, I, sh- like I properly shaved it clean, you know, like with shaving cream and a razor, which I never, ever do. I've probably done... I don't know, once or twice in the last decade. I shave my beard, clean face, and then he says to me, go to the gathering, and I've got a running cap that I usually run with, and he says, wear your running cap backwards. Oh, jeez. And I just felt, actually, like, I felt uncomfortable inside, but as I did it, I felt such freedom, because he was liberating me from fear, the fear of man, and how people perceive me, that as an elder, I should like, I look like something in some way, and I should look responsible, I shouldn't look, I should look like an adult, not a child, and he's just breaking that thing in me, and through that, it's just the joy of God, more and more of the life of God, flowing through me, mana, especially for some of you, he's wanting to break the thing off you, how you look, how you perceive, what you think of what others think of you, okay, Ignorance, fear, and then stubbornness at the roots of that religious spirit is really a pride. It's a stubbornness. Yeah, I can be stubborn at times. 
think we all can. And you just showed me this, yeah, how stubborn I was. And there were areas of wanting to soften my heart. And, and some of you, that's what is the Spirit, that's the Spirit's beginning to knock on the door of your heart and point things out and say, stop resisting, stop being so prideful. Soften your heart towards me. And as you do that, you're positioning yourself for the life of God to be poured out upon you. And so stubbornness and some familiarity are kind of two sides of a coin. Stubbornness, pridefulness, and familiarity is like, been down this road before, I know this drill, I'm just going to go through the motions. And those things steal from you the full measure of the Spirit of God that He's wanting to pour out upon His church. Still with me? And so don't let ignorance, don't let fear, don't let stubbornness, don't let familiarity, do not let religion hold you back. But identify those rocks in your life, whatever they might be, as the Spirit of God begins to show them to you, and repent of them. Name them and turn from them and say, Jesus, I'm running to you. I'm running to you. If you're not physically running, running in your heart, running in your spirit towards him and knowing that as, you, as you're moving towards him, he's already moved towards you. It's all of him. It's actually all his work already inside of you. As you do that, he meets with you and he brings you out from religion more into the life of the spirit of God and he fills you so that you can be of use in his kingdom. And so this morning, having said all of that, I'd simply like to do this one thing of just creating space to respond for a little bit, of just quietening, just coming before Jesus. Can we do that? Do you mind coming up and just getting on your guitar? That would be amazing. And positioning ourselves this morning before him to say, Lord, I know, and I know we have already, but I want to go back there because he might not there might be some of you that need to respond this morning that haven't responded yet. And allow yourself, as you do, to let, the, let God speak to you and let the Spirit speak to you. And so what you, what you should expect as He begins to speak to you is that He's going to bring you to, He's going to begin to knock on your heart. You're going to feel something. Or there's going to already have been a, a, like you've been resonating with what I'm saying. Like, yeah, He's saying something to me today. He's showing me something. I need to respond to it. And then you need to, as we just worship for a little bit, or come before Him, you need to position your heart, like I've said, to repent, to turn from what that thing is that He's showing you. And then as you repent, don't stop there, you repent, but the point of repentance is then to trust, to say, Lord, I trust you. I trust you in this. I trust you on the journey that I'm taking, that you are taking me on. And then out of trust flows receiving. Because do you know what? My kids will never receive anything from me if they don't trust me. You'll never receive anything from God if you don't trust Him. This morning is wanting to bring to repentance, from repentance to a place of trust, and then as you trust Him, to a receiving of the Spirit this morning, so that you can move out from what you might have been living under into more of the liberty of the Spirit of God.